Hello, hello, and welcome back, fellas. It's time for another monthly roundup. We're going to be talking about February 2022 and all of the new albums from this past past month that I listened to. Um, and I'm going to be talking about my five favorites from the month as well. Um, meant to do this episode yesterday and had an extremely long day at work, so got a little behind and then uh I actually got today off of work cuz uh my boss uh sent out a mass email saying um uh, whoever the first four people who reply to this email will um get tomorrow off and I happened to see it as soon as he sent it so of course after having such a shitty day yesterday I was like hell yeah I'll, I'll take tomorrow off so here we are, now I've got the chance to do this and get this out of the way, and I'm pretty excited about it, because I think overall this past month was better than January, um, but yeah, gonna get into everything that I listened to that is not uh, in my five picks for the month first, so these are the things that just missed out or I just like wasn't into. Uh, the first thing on the list is Los Bichos with Let the Festivities Begin. I really enjoyed the lead single for this album, The Link is About to Die. I thought it was a really cool, vibey, fun, kind of instrumental track. And the rest of the album is pretty similar to that, but I don't know, it just kind of let me down a little bit. I had pretty high expectations for it, and especially with it being the band's first album, um, like there's always something really special about a debut album and I was kind of hoping I would like the rest of the album as much as that song but unfortunately I didn't but it's still a cool album still fun to have on in the background while you're doing something after that we've got Cities of Eve with Man Plays the Horn some kind of cool hypnagogic lo-fi hip-hop kind of stuff if you trimmed this thing down, I think I would enjoy it a lot more, but at, I think, like an hour and a half of length, that's just a little too much for me, but there are some really cool moments in here just buried in there, um, and I, I appreciate him for trying to do something, like, different and, you know, push boundaries a little bit. We've got Hippocampus with LP3. I surprisingly had never listened to this band until checking out this album, and I, I definitely see the appeal. I know that uh, they've gotten a little bit of recognition. I think they've been on, like, James Corden and, like, some late-night shows, uh, like, that kind of thing, and the music kind of reminds me of, like, a cross between The Neighborhood and maybe, like, the 1975 or something like that, um... And even though I'd rather listen to either one of those bands, I, I still can see the appeal of Hippocampus. Uh, not not a bad record or anything. Pretty cool. Then we've got Corn with Requiem, which is, I mean, pretty much what you would expect from a Corn record in 2022. Uh, maybe nothing as memorable as like their classic albums, but still pretty cool. Um, don't think it deserves any kind of hate or anybody shitting on it. It's it's decent. Then we've got Kate LeVon with Pompeii, which I did think was pretty good. Um, maybe wasn't in, as into it as I had hoped to be. Um, I really liked the album cover and the overall like aesthetic, kind of drawing from like the 80s synth pop thing, and also like a little bit of David Bowie's Berlin era, like Low and Heroes and Lodger, all that Brian Eno stuff. 
I, I like how it kind of pulls from, like, the cold iciness of that. But I don't know. I, I just can't pick out, like, a whole lot of songs from this that I would want to go back to. It's nice while it's on. And I would definitely recommend it if, like, those genres that I mentioned sound interesting to you. But it's just not really working for me that much. Um, that being said, it's still it's still objectively, like, a, a good record. It's just... I don't know wasn't as into it as i hoped we've got partner look with by the book which not bad it, it kind of sounds like a cross between like the quirkiness of beat happening mixed with like a sort of modern bedroom pop indie kind of thing um i i would give it a listen if that sounds interesting to you we've got place to bury strangers with see through you which i don't remember too much of i remember it being kind of dark and like maybe like post-punky or something like that and I, I thought the album cover was cool but I don't think I would go back to it we've got Lighten Up by Aaron Ray which I thought was pretty good um kind of in that field of like Waxahachie and Kevin Morby and uh, kind of those like indie folk slash country influenced artists like that um We'll probably try to go back to it sometime soon, but I, I wasn't blown away by it, but it, it was still pretty good. We've got Few Good Things by Saba, just some fun, vibey, kind of throwback style hip-hop. Um, I like this guy's flows a lot. I, I think he has like a cool personality, I can tell from his music, but don't know how much I would go back to this. It's pretty pretty good. Got Woven Hand with Silver Sash, which I'm not super into, to be honest with you. The vocals are like a little... I don't know, they just don't really work for me, but I, I think, like, if you're into that kind of, like, early metal mixed with, I don't even know how to describe it, um, it might work for some people, but it, it just doesn't really work for me, unfortunately, and same with the, uh, next on the list, which is, uh, Glitch Princess by Yule, probably my lowest rated thing on this whole thing, um, uh, like I said with Seas of Eve, I appreciate people trying to do something interesting and experimental and different, but it's, it, this one just doesn't really work for me. Um, I've seen a lot of people online give it a lot of praise. I, I don't think it's awful, but I, it's just really out of my range of like things that I like. Um, I, don't, I don't think I would ever go back to it. We've got The Dream by Alt-J. Kind of would rather listen to some like classic Alt-J stuff, but... This is still a pretty decent, like, I don't know if you'd call it a comeback album, because it hasn't been that long, but a uh, pretty decent return either way. Um, there's one song, I forget what it's called, that I, I think they were directly influenced by, like, the Beatles mid-period of, like, 65 and 66, and uh, I really liked that song. Uh, I wish I could remember what the title was. Um, and the rest of the album was nice, too, but just didn't blow me away. We've got Visitor by Empath. I saw Empath open for Ice Age back in 2018, and I thought their set was pretty cool. Um, just some kind of noisy indie rock stuff, and this is pretty much the same thing, um, but maybe leaning more into, like, 80s pop almost. Like, there's this almost kind of synthy, like... I don't know I don't know how else to describe it. There, there's, like, a little bit of an 80s sound this time um, compared to what I saw live. Um, I, I, it actually was going to be in my five picks for the month. Um, and then one of the ones, uh, I'll mention later kind of kicked it out. Um, but it, it is still like a, a really good record and, um, 
Yeah. The next is The Kick by Foxes, which was just some cool, dancey, like, pop stuff. Nothing that I was crazy about, but honestly, if they played more stuff like this on the radio, I would be happy with that um, instead of the normal stuff they usually play. Not to knock everything that's on the radio, but, I mean, replace some of it, like, with stuff like this, and I'd be pretty happy. Silver of the Mirror by Pearly don't remember much of it just remember it being some kind of slow building uh kind of moody indie rock stuff but thought it was thought it was decent um actually i think this might be the lowest rated thing aside from glitch princess we have slut pop by kim petrus and normally i really like kim petrus um I, I really like her music most of the time when she's just doing a normal pop thing, but I'm just not, not really feeling this one a whole lot, it's, it, the songs just aren't good, and the whole connection with Dr. Luke is just not, it's not doing it for me, it makes me kind of uncomfortable, uh, not good at all, would not recommend, then we've got Lucifer on the Sofa by Spoon, which I thought was a cool, like, back to basics, like, indie rock album, uh, another one that was almost in my five picks, but everything that was in my picks is just, I think I would rather go back to over this, but this is still a really solid record, and anybody who's giving it praise is definitely well within their right to, because it is a great album. Uh, then we've got Earthling by Eddie Vedder. I'm not super well-versed in Pearl Jam, or especially Eddie Vedder's solo stuff, um, but I thought this was okay. He's kind of trying like a Heartland Rock, Bruce Springsteen thing with this one, and... Uh, I don't know. It's it's fine while it's on. I think there's like a song with Elton John and maybe even another one with Stevie Wonder. I, I could be wrong about that last one, but uh, I, I thought it was all right. Um, pretty much what I expected after like reading a few reviews of it. Then we've got Once Twice Melody by Beach House, which I don't know. It's, it's been getting a lot of praise online and I've listened through it and it's just not like it's very pleasant, it's very good, like, it's objectively, like, really good music, but something about it's just not clicking in my brain, like, say, the stuff off of, like, Depression Cherry or Teen Dream, and I, I acknowledge, like, objectively, like, this is, this is really good music, and I understand anybody who's giving it a lot of praise, but I just haven't gotten there, and maybe with time I'll warm up to it, uh, I'm not saying that it, that I don't like it or anything, so don't come at me for that, um, but I think it just needs to grow on me a little bit. We've got Karungbin and Leon Bridges with Texas Moon, which is more of the same stuff from their last EP, Texas Sun, just kind of carried over. But I think I prefer Texas Sun a little bit. Um, I don't know if the tracks on this EP are quite as memorable as that last one, unfortunately. Then we've got Cowboy Tears by Oliver Tree, which... <sighs> When I started the album, I was like, okay, I'm liking this a little bit more than I anticipated. I mean, it's still, like, <laughs> I don't know, it's still kind of makes me cringe, like, a little bit um, in some parts, but I don't know, there's something about it that's kind of novelty and kind of fun, but, like, as the album goes on, I, I kind of get tired of it pretty quickly. It's it's kind of one note. I kind of wish there was more going on with it, and I kind of wish there was more to the cowboy thing, like, there was more of, like, a country thing going on than just, like, 
occasionally talking about cowboys and just the visual the visual aesthetics of the album being like cowboy related then we have uh love sucks by avril lavigne which i thought was a solid just i mean exactly what you would expect from avril lavigne and 2022 um pretty solid record um maybe nothing as memorable as her older stuff but i mean to be i think almost 40 years old and still be doing stuff that sounds like what she was doing in the 2000s i think that's pretty impressive and good for her then we have sweet tooth by mom jeans which i was not i don't know i have mixed feelings about it because like the hooks on it are really catchy and the songwriting is is really catchy and fun but also some of the lyrics and the singing style is it's almost like I don't know it kind of gives me a cavity like I, I was telling Hannah about this record in the car the other day for whatever reason and I, I kind of said that it's like you know how there's like pop and then there's bubblegum pop and then there's pop punk to me this is like bubblegum pop punk if that makes any sense um, I don't know, I, I have very mixed feelings about it, and I, I can't tell, like, if the members are taking themselves too seriously, and when I look at it from a perspective of, like, this is kind of, like, a goofy act, I think I like it a little bit more, um, but I, either way, the songwriting is pretty good, it's just, you know. Then we have Sasami with Squeeze, and I, I still... I still not vibing with this album cover a whole lot. It really creeps me out, the whole snake thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I actually thought this album was pretty decent. I thought there was some cool, like, 90s throwback rock stuff on it. And there was a little bit of new metal, too, which I wasn't as into as the 90s stuff. But, uh, I don't know. I, I think my expectations are, like, a little bit low just because I... I am like a simple person and I have like a lizard brain and sometimes like I associate the album cover with the music and I mean that that's kind of the point of album covers and I think me not liking the album cover I kind of like placed my expectations really low and didn't think I was going to be super into it so I guess that's why it even though I'm not crazy about it it still surpassed the expectations a little bit then we've got only a few more. Uh, Wild Loneliness by Super Chunk, who I believe I just learned recently is a North Carolina band, so good for them for representation. Uh, wasn't insane about this album, but it, it's still some solid like indie rock stuff. Um, pretty catchy, and they seem like they're older too, and they're still making stuff that sounds really just hip and fun and. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you just want like a very easily digestible indie rock album, then this this one's for you. And I, I like the album cover a lot with the goat. Um, I think it's uh, pretty cute. Then we've got Swamp Dog with "I Need a Job So I Can Buy More Auto Tune." I when the first few tracks on this, I was like, okay, I might put this in my picks for the month, but it kind of wore thin pretty quickly. That being said, though, it's still a pretty decent album I think just the novelty of like this kind of throwback beach music like R&B soul kind of feel mixed with the auto-tune I don't know it gets kind of grating after a while but when I look at it from a lens of like not taking it too seriously which I, it just sounds like he's just trying to have fun then 
kind of like the mom jeans, even though it's a totally different kind of music. I can maybe appreciate it more from that perspective. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I really like some songs on it, but I don't know how much I would go back to it because as a full album, because it, it does. After a while, I'm like, okay, I, I get it. You're you're using auto tune, um, but I don't know. I I also feel like I can't knock it too much because the the guy just sounds like he's just trying to be like kind of silly and have a little fun and just uh, make some solid kind of throwback tunes. And the final song before we get into the actual picks, or the final album before we get into the actual picks, is The Tipping Point by Tears for Fears, which I I don't really know what I expected from a Tears for Fears album in 2022, to be honest. Um, I've heard and read that like they take a little bit of Beatles influence and like 60s influence and their later stuff, their more recent stuff, but I don't know. I I heard a little bit of, a little bit of that on this album, but it also kind of had this like early 2010s like millennial pop kind of feel to it and overall it's a pretty decent album, but I mean, if I'm going to listen to Tears for Fears, I, I think I would rather just listen to like the 80s and maybe like some of the 90s stuff. Um I don't know. It, it it's decent and uh yeah. All right, all right, all right. It's time to get into the five album picks for February 2022. And the first one, folks, is a big one. Um it's one that I kind of alluded to in the Ween discography review episode. Of course, it doesn't have anything to do with Ween, but at the end of that episode, I was talking about some general stuff that was coming up, and uh, you may remember remember me bringing it up in that episode. It's Black Country New Road with Ants from Up There, and this is one I've been almost nervous to talk about. I really love it, but it's just such a dense album, and while it's mostly very acclaimed by the public, it's still a polarizing album at the same time. I've seen people have really strong positive reactions to it, and then others just maybe appreciating what it's trying to do, but not quite clicking with it. And I mean, I understand the latter. I felt that way about the first album, but this one's just different. I, I don't know. Um, the first one felt a little more post-punk influenced, and... This one carries a few things over from that first one as far as sort of like the abstract lyrical themes, Um, but overall it's far more melodic and I hear heavy influences from Arcade Fire, Bright Eyes, and maybe like Brand New a little bit. It's kind of like if you took some of the poetry of the last record and filtered it through more accessible, pretty, earthy sounds that feel like a culmination of the bands that I mentioned, especially Arcade Fire circa like the funeral era with how kind of Baroque it sounds. And I know they're huge Arcade Fire fans, so that makes total sense. There's an interview on YouTube where they're talking about how they want to be the next Arcade Fire. So I'm not just pulling that out of my ass. So yeah, but getting into the songs, going to go track by track as I do with uh, all of my album picks for the month uh starting off with this album uh we're going to talk about the intro which is simply just called intro um just an absolutely epic intro and of course i'm not going to spend that much time on it because it's literally only a minute long but 
it's just so epic sounding and it feels like you're about to go on this long journey and then chaos space marine is the first actual full-length track carrying some of the horns strings and drums from the intro and making them almost a little quirky with how they start and stop and then one of the instruments like plays a note or two and then it starts again and then when the song actually gets going there's this piano that kicks in and the opening lyrics really rely heavy on that theme of starting out a journey giving up on england and deciding to take a big ship across the sea to new york city uh, almost like they would hundreds of years ago it's got this like old historical feel to it in a way and uh I really love that explosive, so I'm leaving this body and I'm never coming home again chorus. It's just so powerful and uh, I love the strings and the drums making it sound like the song is just about to bust open and it feels like it finally does at the outro which sounds like it has like a fiddle and a banjo added to the mix and there's these really pretty like airy backing vocals from um, I think like the women in the group, I, I can't really tell who's singing on it. Um, but yeah, th this album is just, production-wise, it's absolutely gorgeous, and you're going to hear me say that over and over and over. And there's also just a really eclectic, wide variety of instruments on here. I mean, it. every time I listen to this album, I pick out something that I didn't hear before, and to me, that's a true sign of an album that's just timeless and is going to be talked about for years. Uh, third track, Concord, is... Listen, I, I know I said in the January video and or video episode that oh this is my favorite track of the year and this is my favorite track of the year. I, I have a bad habit of saying this is my favorite blah 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 of the blah blah blah. But this track is fucking mind blowing to me. Um and the first time I heard it I, I thought this is pleasant and kinda strange. I've never heard anything quite like it before. And then I just kept spinning it over and over and over. Like every time that uh, I had a moment to myself, I'd be like, I want to listen to Concord right now. And I just got so addicted to it. And each time I would listen to it, I would, like I said, I would find a new instrumental flourish or lyric that I just hadn't noticed before. And now I feel like it's basically burned into my brain. And I don't know, the song is just a cinematic experience that just invokes a lot of really strong emotions for me. Uh, it's an absolutely gorgeous indie rock waltz with mostly some lightly strummed electric guitar and drums and a chorus which is no vocals, just this guitar line that sounds so bittersweet, the bum 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 But uh, the song just slowly builds up and over time we hear piano, flute, mandolin, etc. until the song just finally explodes at the end with what is possibly the most cathartic ending to a song that I can remember. It's a blend of these pounding drums, this shredding tremolo picked guitar solo, and a saxophone which pairs with the guitar so nicely. Like they sound like they become one instrument together. And whenever I hear that outro, it just makes all of the hair stand up on my body, especially like when I crank it up to full volume in the car or on my headphones. Uh, this is a really good headphones record, by the way. And I haven't even gotten into the lyrical themes of this album, and I could spend a while on that, but I'm going to say that I think this song is uh, abstractly about the end of a relationship. The way I see it, the Concord, aka the plane, uh, sort of represents this person that shines brightly and flies high, someone who just 
makes this person look in awe as if you saw this huge, wonderful thing in the sky. But it's also a person who happens to be flying away from the singer, and the singer is trying to hold on to this fleeting moment or this memory. Hence why the album cover is a literal concord in a bag, like it's in there for safekeeping. It's not the real thing, but it's like this souvenir to remember the person by. And there are a lot of other metaphors too in the song. I'm sure you could spend two or three hours just trying to dissect every single lyric, and I think that was the point of the track uh, in a way. Um, but one of my favorite like metaphors on the album is the part about being led to a place on the table and saying, uh, I know that you're hungry, I'm starving myself, and I heard you're on Atkins as well. It's like the narrator saying they both want to, this thing to work, but they're also trying to repress their emotions at the same time. Uh, and I, I'm just going to stop there because, like I said, I could go for hours, but Concord, uh, phenomenal song. Please listen to it. Um, you may not like completely understand what's going on on the first listen, but just just give it like two or three listens and it, it, something will click in your brain, hopefully, because it did for me. And I, I think this is one of the most beautiful tracks I've ever heard. And, and as you can tell, I'm extremely passionate and excited about it. Uh, up next is Bread Song. Um, and this is one of the songs on here that honestly has an extremely strong emo influence to me with the kind of desolate sounding electric guitar line and those clicking drums that finally come in. Um, if you like have this album on, even if you're not paying much attention, you'll notice yourself starting to feel a little bit down whenever this song comes on. It just sounds so sad and dreadful um and don't worry the lyrics match it too um don't eat your toast in my bed oh darling i never felt the crumbs until you said this place is not for any man nor particles of bread almost funny because he's talking about toast but then when you think about the analogy of the relationship and carrying over the theme from like the the last song concord it's just I don't know, it's just one big oof moment it just ouch you know um, then if there's a song on this album that's just straight up fun, uh, aside from the intro and Chaos Space Marine, then it would be Goodwill Hunting, which is arguably, arguably like the biggest meme song that's come out of the album. Um, with that line that everyone has quoted, she had Billie Eilish style. Uh, the music bounces back and forth between the dreadfulness of the last song and then this awesome dun 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 that kind of riff that uh, kind of makes you feel like you're on a ship in the middle of the ocean and it's swaying almost uncontrollably. Uh, the lyrics are definitely not fun, even um, through like the last songs, you know. Uh, some of the lyrics being, if we're on a burning starship, the escape pods filled with your friends, your childhood film photos, there's no room for me to go, oh, I'd wait there, float with the wreckage fashion a long sword traverse the milky way trying to get home to you and you bring some piece of the stars just just rough um you feel bad for this guy a little bit when you hear that um but also some of the lyrics in this particular track feel like a little bit hopeful like in spite of all the chaos and just negativity like you're trying to hold on to this tiny little shred of hope that like you can make this thing work uh, which, like I said, to me, that he's definitely talking about some kind of relationship. Then we have Haldern, which 
sounds so sad. It's almost painful. Um, it's really powerful that these young people are such talented musicians that they can make you feel something so intense before the lyrics even come on and just add even more despair on top of the already like devastating sounding music. Um, this song in particular starts off with this really gorgeous sax, some piano, some very understated guitar chords, and then it builds and adds in these flutes and these heavy-ass drums, and the lyrics revolve around, like, it sounds like he's trying to keep someone alive and keep their soul from leaving their body, and it just adds to the intense drama of the song. Like, you don't even have to hear the lyrics to know that this is just a fucking sad-ass song, and honestly, the the album just gets sadder from here. Like, it, it doesn't lift up too much, except for, I mean, the next track, which is uh, Mark's Theme, um, which is kind of a breather before things get kind of heavy again. Uh, everything's so up t- intense up to this point, and you get this really like short beautiful breather of a track just nothing but a saxophone and piano uh no vocals like i said it still sounds kind of bittersweet um kind of makes me think of that first stage of uh everywhere at the end of time where there's like a tinge of sadness but it's also like kind of comforting and happy at the same time it's like you can kind of tell something bad is about to happen but it's i don't know like you're kind of holding on to this like little happy moment and like I said things just get really dreadful again after this one um I had to drink some water I'm getting too excited uh then we have the next track which is the place where he inserted the blade uh which is just about tied with Concord for my favorite um there might be a day here and there where I actually prefer this song but I think it really depends on how much I've overplayed one or the other on repeat. Uh, some days it's a Concord day and I listen to that song over and over. And some days it's a place where he inserted the blade kind of day and I listen to that song over and over. So, but yeah, um, this one, uh, place where he inserted the blade sounds kind of like the perfect hybrid of uh, 2000s indie rock and emo with piano chords that progress into these crashing drums and Isaac giving us a pretty clear picture of this conversation he's having with this girl, almost pleading with her not to leave, and figuratively saying, let me save you from all your trauma and your pain and help you this one last time. There's a lot of desperation on this album, but this track especially. um, I love the pre-chorus with the piano and the drums just going bum, 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 and then... uh, that delivery of the line, anytime I try to make lunch for anyone else in my head, I end up dreaming of you. It's so powerful, so moving, so devastating. And then that last chorus uh, really goes back to what I was talking about with the 2000s indie comparison, especially with all the group vocals just going in and out. The ba-da, da-da, you know, um... It's so celebratory, but also so sad at the same time. It's like the definition of bittersweet. And the saxophone at the end will no doubt make you feel something, too. Um, Getting closer to the end of the album now, uh, we've got Snow Globes, which is a track that has taken me a little while to come around to. I, I never disliked it before, but it definitely feels like the hardest track to really swallow, aside from 
maybe the track after this one, which we're about to get to. But uh, this one here is uh, very interesting from an instrumental standpoint. Of course, with it being almost 10 minutes long, there's a really long buildup. Most of the first half being this almost like robotic sounding electric guitar and some violin. The guitar is just going ding, 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 something like that. Um, but the, the guitar and the violin just being really just bare sounding, it kind of sets the rhythm while the drums slowly start pounding away as the track goes on and they just get louder and more abstract in rhythm. Uh, kind of reminds me of the track Heroin by the Velvet Underground, uh, from the Velvet Underground and Nico, of course, where you almost lose the structure of the song, but not quite. Like, it goes as far out as it can possibly go. Um, but it doesn't completely lose the structure at the same time. Watching them play this song live on YouTube is pretty interesting because the guy just drops the fucking drumsticks and just starts, like, beating the shit out of the drums with his hand. It's pretty interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, aside from, like, the intro, obviously, this is probably my least favorite song just because it's not an easy pill to swallow. But, like I said, but uh, I still appreciate what it's doing. And, I mean, a least favorite song on an album this good is still a really fantastic song. And... I mean, from a musicianship standpoint, it, it really blows me away. Then Final Song, Basketball Shoes, has kind of been a hard one for me to digest as well, but I have always been really enchanted by it each time that I've given the full album a spin. I feel like it works best in the context of the album. Like, I mean, you obviously you can listen to the song separately, but listening in the context of everything else and then this is the final song, it just, it, it adds to the experience a little bit, in my opinion, um, it's sort of like the opus of the entire record, pulling actual instrumental parts and lyrical themes from across the album, and bringing them back for one big finale, the first half of the song brings back that kind of sax part from Haldern, but it sounds slightly different now, maybe a little bit more positive this time, the drums are great, and the lyrics kind of flash forward ahead of the events of the earlier album, basically noting that things are still hard, but uh, to quote, we're still working on ourselves. Um, and what really gets me about this song is the second part, about 6.30 in, I want to say, where the strings intensify and there's this awesome like classic emo style guitar riff that comes in. And I love when the singing stops and then everything just gets 10 times louder and the guitar is wailing and then he repeats the line i haven't felt this way in forever i am the convo you are the weather this time screaming it instead of singing it uh it's just one of those like really anthemic moments on the album that you just can't help but scream along to kind of like uh in chaos space marine the uh so i'm leaving this body and i'm never coming home again just ah uh, just gives me all the feelings in the world um and uh, I, I kind of wish that part of the song went on for longer than it did. It kind of stops and slows down again. And then the third part is still an epic way to finish the song and finish the whole album. It's got these really these loud crashing drums and piano and once again kind of screamed vocals. Um, 
this part kind of gives me a little bit like a swans feel a little bit. I know that's like a pretty easy comparison and people, a lot of people compare like anything that's kind of experimental to swans, but I, I really do hear it, especially with the drums. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the whole album. Maybe my longest segment on an album up to this point, uh, could be wrong on that, but there's just so much to dive into with this album. And as far as a score would go, I would have to go with like an extremely strong 4.5, pushing to a light 5 out of 5. I guess it depends on where I'm at mentally. I've kind of gone back and forth between saying, oh, it's a 5 or, oh, it's a 4.5. So I'm just going to kind of put it in between that for right now. Um, it does really blow me away, though. And um, I mean... At first, the last two tracks, like I said, they they took me a while to get into, but I do finally enjoy them now, and I don't know, that's that's pretty much where I'm at for a score for this one. Uh, yeah, Black Country, New Road, Ants from Up There, if you're wanting to try something different that you've never heard anything like, then definitely give this album a try, um, if it sounds interesting to you, of course. And then, next up, we've got Drumroll. Mitski with Laurel Hell. Uh, Mitski is back not that long after announcing that she was taking a hiatus. Um, I believe she realized quickly after making that announcement that she still had a lot of creative juice in her and wanted to keep going instead of uh, taking a little break. And I'm glad that she did. I'm not well versed in her music outside of Be the Cowboy and a few other random songs uh, like I Bet on Losing Dogs and. Uh, Francis Forever and a few other ones. Um, but from what I've heard, this album has my favorite sound of that I've heard of hers. Everyone's sort of doing this 80s sound lately. It feels like a trend that's been going on for a long time. Um, and sometimes that can feel kind of stale. Um, but for her, I think it actually works very well uh, for her style and for her sound. Uh, opener Valentine Texas starts off very quiet and somber and then it explodes in the second half with these really bold and powerful dreamlike synths and drums. I saw in an interview where she said that the first half was written when she was alone in a room in the dark with all the blinds closed and then the second half was written when she was driving on a sunny day through a town in Texas that was quite indeed called Valentine. Um, and just that story of, like, writing the two parts in different places adds a lot to the song for me. Uh, I know it's, like, something really simple. There's not much to it, but I don't know. It, it, I, I think the imagery that this song puts into my head because of that context, I, I just think it's really cool, you know. Uh, and then we have Working for the Knife, which was the very first single for the record, and I... I didn't listen to it until this album, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, this song was sort of her big return since everyone thought she was done for a while. It's got these sort of uh, light, almost industrial sounding drums and this dreamy, but also like brash, reverb heavy electric guitar. I really love the lines, I cry at the start of every movie. I guess I wish, I guess because I wish I was making things too. And, uh, the other line, I always thought the choice was mine, and I was right, I, but I just chose wrong. Uh, I think those are really effective, just 
hard-hitting lines that don't say a lot, but what they do say is just kind of punches you in the gut a little bit. Uh, then we have Stay Soft, which is a lot of fun. It sounds absolutely wonderful on a good pair of headphones. Kind of feels like a cousin to Nobody from Be the Cowboy. Uh, it has this killer bass groove, some piano stabs, some swirling synths, and this overall sort of disco-y feel uh, with one of the most earworm choruses that you'll hear all year. Um, and there's also this part like halfway through that just has these menacing, thick-sounding synths, and I just love it. Um, I, I, I'm i glad she's doing this 80s sound. Like I said, with some artists, it feels kind of stale, but it just feels brand new for her, and I'm happy that she's back. Um, then moving on to the next track, Everyone. Um, whenever I hear this song, I, I kind of keep thinking she's going to go into singing I Bet on Losing Dogs. Um, I think it's something to do with how she holds the notes for a second. Um but yeah, the song itself is really bare, um, not much to accompany her vocals, but just some soft drums and these like 80s sci-fi movie soundtrack type of uh, keys, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a cool little track and uh, it's kind of a nice like breather after like you've been dancing from hearing Stay Soft, um, it's like that song you listen to when you're getting a, like a drink of water after dancing or something. Then, uh, whenever I heard the single Heat Lightning, I knew that this was going to be an album that I wanted to pay attention to. Something about this track feels like the sky is about to just burst open into this heavy storm. Um, it's got that full-on Mitski-style cinematic drama that people just love her for. Um, it's got these really beautiful piano passages and strings that, I don't know, it kind of feels like sitting on like a... I mean, I say this because I'm from the country. It feels like just sitting on a front porch and like watching, like you know there's a huge thunderstorm coming and all hell is about to break loose. That's kind of what this song feels like. And I think that's sort of what she was alluding to with Heat Lightning. So maybe she had something similar in mind. Uh, next track, uh, The Only Heartbreaker, which of all the songs in this album, this is the one people will probably recommend the most. And I can totally see why it's, got the most obvious hit single power sounding straight up like a 80s new wave hit that you've known for your entire life I think something like take on me uh, your most obvious pick for that sound but it's also very refreshing at the same time like I've been saying um, I love the part with the electric guitar and the synth kind of layered on top of each other it's just auditory heaven like I said just sounds phenomenal on headphones uh, Love Me More, to me, is just as powerful and anthemic and fun as Only Heartbreaker. You kind of get the feel that there could be like a double A-side single with both songs. Like, they both feel like they, in another timeline and alternate universe, these were just two huge songs. And kind of like how they used to, they, would, they wouldn't have an A-side and a B-side. It would just be two A-sides because both of the songs were just so good and so popular. Um and uh, I also love the music video for this track, Love Me More, uh, because her dancing kind of reminds me of Kate Bush a little bit. Uh, the lyrics of There's Nothing Left For You are pretty intensely sad, and the music reflects that solitude. It's very obviously a post-breakup song with lines such as, you could touch fire, you could fly, it was your right, it was your life, and then it passed on to someone new. 
It'll keep passing on long after you. But you're the only one she's counting on. There's nothing left for you. Um, just kind of just stabs you in the chest. Not even punches you in the gut. Just straight up goes for the knife and uh, stabs you in the chest. Um, I guess you could say she's working for the knife to be stabbed in your chest. I don't know. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. Um, Should Have Been Me, I think, is a really underrated track. I, I haven't seen many people mention it, but... I think it's my favorite track on here. The uh, bass line seems to recall something like Maneater by Holland Oates. And it also has this upbeat pop rock feel that some like 2000s tracks have. Um, I'm not sure how to place that exactly, but a song that comes to mind when I'm trying to make comparisons is uh, the excellent song Dreaming of You by The Choral. The uh, production and instrumental choices just feel like they're from the same world in a way um and I love that tone on the electric guitar and all of the little flourishes that sort of illuminate her words and the verses just like the little like keyboard sounds and stuff whenever she says a certain line I, I just think it's a lot of whoever did the production on this album did a phenomenal job there's a lot of nuances and great detail on here um then with the next track uh I guess there's not a whole lot going on musically with it, but uh, the lyrics continue this narrative of moving on after the relationship ends. It feels kind of like a sister track to Nothing Left For You. Um, then the final song, That's Our Lamp, which I absolutely love. Um, it's bittersweet. The music is so cheerful and it's got this wonderful bass line and these amazing 70s disco style strings, some really bright, almost like cartoon like simps and I don't know it just sounds so happy but the lyrics are really sad and like Mitski is a really good lyricist but these are just like straight up lyrics and I think it shows like how good of a lyricist you are if you can write stuff that's really profound but you can also stuff that's write stuff that's just like really bare bones and just like there's no metaphors or anything it just cuts to the point and uh yeah I don't know the whole song is just about like looking up at the window of an old room that you shared with your ex like while you're down in the street or something and you're I don't know you're just thinking you're just reflecting on the memories you have with the person and it, it's just such a bittersweet ending and uh just another fun like dancey song on an album full of a lot of fun dancey songs um I'm gonna go with a 4.5 out of 5 for this one it's a super rewarding listen um anyone who says this album is boring should just give it another listen because I think it's a lot of fun and I think it's the perfect length for what it is at only 30 minutes long nothing for you to really get tired of like I said um headphones really improve the experience as well uh, I'll keep saying that I mean obviously you should listen to all of your music on a nice pair of headphones or a nice pair of speakers but especially this one um because like I said the production is just phenomenal on here and yeah check out this new Mitski album Gonna give it a 4.5 out of 5 for now. Laurel Hell by Mitski. Great album. Up next, we've got Big Thief with Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. Which, that is a mouthful of an album title, but I do really enjoy this album. Um, yes, I, I finally got into Big Thief. I've enjoyed all of their albums up to this point, but... None of them really stuck with me. 
uh, until this one. Um, I actually got this one on vinyl the other day just because I love the album artwork and the packaging so much. And both of the records that came with it were colored. Uh, one was green and one was like a kind of starburst yellow orange kind of color. But yeah, it's just a warm, toasty campfire, fun night, jamming with your friends kind of record. And I love how over uh, the course of 20 songs, they try so many different sounds, but most of all, I would say it revolves around like indie folk with a tinge of, a tinge of country, you know, um, and I won't get into every single song here because there are quite a lot, um, but it is a pretty consistent listen. Uh, Opener Change mystified me the first time that I heard it. Uh, I love being able to hear Adrian just say okay before breaking into the song. It, gives you that feeling of just being in the room and witnessing the spontaneous thing happen and the song itself is just a slow acoustic number simply about you know what the title is change um and then we have time escaping which has this very odd percussion to it it's almost hard to get used to at first but uh once you welcome it in i think it adds a fun novelty feeling to the tr uh, to the song um and that chorus, just the words time escaping, just goes down so easy. It kind of melts in your ears uh, like candy or something. It, it just sounds so nice. Um, then there's the twangy little barn number, uh, Spud Infinity, uh, complete with a fiddle and a juice harp and those kind of yelpy country style vocals. What's it gonna take? I didn't nail that at all. But uh, yeah, it, it just, I don't know. Like, some people don't like her voice that much, but I, I, I think it adds a lot to the tracks. Um, just because it's so honest sounding, and I like things that aren't necessarily polished, and um, I don't know. It, to me, this this whole album, like I said, is just really easy on the ears. It's just so relaxing and such a good vibe to just have on um, the turntable or have on Spotify or something like that. Uh, then we have Certainty, which... Has a bit of a Tom Petty, Wildflowers era kind of feel. Thinking of something like uh, You Don't Know How It Feels with that kind of rhythm with that acoustic guitar and the drums. I love the kind of loose, rough around the edges harmonies on the track too. Like you can kind of hear like Buck coming in and out here and there, but it's not like, it's not like a well-rehearsed harmony or anything. I think it just adds to like the earthiness and like just overall cool feel of the track and the album um then on sparrow there's a very lonesome and desolate kind of feeling to the track um something like patsy klein comes to mind uh the kind of longing feeling that she brought to her music but you know at the same time this track is a lot longer and more drawn out and folky than anything she uh, ever did really um, I'm not comparing them in terms of quality, but just like the objective sound of it, you know, in the genre. But I, I can definitely hear her inspiration on this track. And then uh, I really enjoy how Little Things just makes this record take a total left turn, only a few songs in. It's this really lo-fi, jangly indie rocker. Kind of sounds like if you filtered the folk and country elements of the band and then filtered them through like current joy style production or something um uh the track red moon is probably my favorite on the record if you ask me there's another track that i'm going to talk about that's also 
up there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this, this one, Red Moon, is a barn burner if there ever was one on here. Uh, it just goes around and around. Mostly these simple G, C, and D chords and everyone's singing. The music video pretty much fully represents what this song sounds like to me. Just some friends having a great time. And uh, shout out to that part where she's like, that's my grandma, or whatever it is. Um, part just always makes me laugh and smile when I hear it. It's just such a fun track. Um, there's the delicate and simple little number, Dried Roses, which just has this timeless quality to it. It sounds like it's been an old traditional country song that's been burned into everyone's minds for all these years. And the, uh, the instrumentation is very bare, but what is there is just beautiful. The acoustic guitar and the fiddle, it's just so perfect to my ears. I, I, I just love this sound and I just love the warm campfire feel like I've been saying over and over. Then we have No Reason, which uh, is the track I was talking about when I was going over Red Moon. Um, both songs are in competition to be my favorite from the record. Um, I guess the answer you'll get from me depends greatly on whether I'm in the mood to just burn the house down jamming on acoustic guitar while I'm drunk, or if I want to kind of ponder my life on the back porch on a cool, misty summer evening, uh, the latter being the case of this song, No Reason. It's got this once again timeless quality to it. The come together for a moment chorus is just so gorgeous and just so nice on the ears. Just like a like a classic, I don't know, like Carpenter's song or something that you've just known forever. And uh, the flute solo is absolutely wonderful. Uh, it takes me somewhere else. Um, if I guess, uh, if I, I guess, if I had to say like what the best moment on this whole record is, I would choose that flute solo specifically because it's just, wow, I, I just feel very moved every time I hear it. And it's so short, um, it just comes and goes really quickly, but just something about that moment just really does it for me. Then uh, we get another little pretty country tune with 12,000 lines. The harmony between Buck and Adrian on this track is quite beautiful. Then... Uh, for some reason, the beginning of Simulation Swarm almost kind of reminds me of uh, Jolene by Dolly Parton. I guess it has something to do with those kind of arpeggiated guitar chords. Um, I really like this track, though. The chorus is really catchy, and I love the line, I want to drop my arms and take your arms and walk you to the shore. Just really smart, really simple. And that guitar solo is killer, good lord. Um production on this track is absolutely insane, especially on that solo specifically for whatever reason. Then the introspective folk sound is back for the only place. And, uh, and then the final song, Blue Lightning, turns up the twang country feel again with those vocals and the, that are kind of yelpy like they're on, uh, they are on Spud Infinity. Um, but this time we have a little bit of electric guitar from Buck, and it's not like a mind-blowing track or anything, but it's just a really satisfying little bookend to the record. Um, that's all the songs I'm really going to cover on it, because like I said, there's just so many songs on here, and I'm not like in love with every single one, but certain tracks on here I, I think are just incredible. Um, 
for an album score, I would have to go somewhere between like a four and a 4.5 out of five. Uh, I guess it really depends on my mood, which one I would pick, but either way, it's in my great territory as far as ratings go. Anything like four and up is, is at least like really good to great to me. Um, and like I said, there are moments that blow me away and then moments that I just like, um, but I don't know, nothing on here doesn't work for me and I wouldn't skip anything, but still, I'm likely to focus on certain songs here. If you took the ones that I mentioned on here and made a shorter album out of them, it could basically be a five out of five record, but of course I have to judge this album by what we were presented with, so that's what I'm doing. Still a really solid, great record with having 20 songs on it, so I think that's a true testament to the band. I think they're extremely talented, and I enjoy their vibe, enjoy their sound quite a bit. Okay, okay, and we're winding it down. We've only got two more to talk about. And this one, I, I'm not going to have a whole lot to say about it because it is uh, one of those examples of uh, kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of an album that is really good, but there's just not much to dissect. It's just a, just a solid album. Um, and I'm talking about the album Strawberry by... Caroline Loveglow. Um, this was an almost last minute find. I think I only got into it like a week or two ago. or Yeah, it had to be a week ago because I think it came out on the 25th, I want to say. Um, it's a new release from the label 100% Electronica, which is run by Vaporwave, Electronic, Shoegaze, etc. Mastermind, George Clanton. Um, this album is just really nice on the ears, uh, sounding exactly like the title Strawberry, if that makes any sense, and only clocking in at 24 minutes long. Uh, like I said, you really can't say much about it, but I mean, that is a compliment. It's just a fantastic vibe. Uh, the opener, Patience, etc. is straight away the best track. Um, solid opener, solid pop track with you know, hints of those descriptions that I gave George Clanton, like Vaporwave and Dream Pop and Shoegaze. Uh, you can, I don't know, you can you can hear it like all over this track. You can hear his influence like all over the whole album. Um, and uh, yeah, this track is just great. It's like a nice blend of 80s pop with uh, electric guitars and just that wall of sound with the gu guitars, like the Shoegaze I, I keep talking about. Um, it just sounds like chilling and having a picnic and eating some fruits on a perfect, breezy, warm, sunny day. It's very colorful, very bright. I love the lyric, if you don't mind, I want to see the daylight through your eyes. And I also want to shout out the uh, George remix of this song, which I, I think is just as phenomenal as this track itself. I, w I would say they're probably equal in quality. It's just a case of uh, which one I prefer at the time and like what kind of mood I'm in. And uh, that sunny ear candy vibe continues for the rest of the album, like I said before. Happy Happy has this great repeating guitar riff and a really chill but also emotional vocal performance. The title track Strawberry is just delightful to the ears. There's this wailing guitar sound that fits so nicely underneath the vocals. I can't describe how much of a breath of fresh air this record is after a long, cold, and dark and kind of miserable winter. It's bringing that warmth that I missed a lot. And of 
course, this wasn't released in the time of spring, but we are getting close to the end of winter, so thank God for that. I, I hate the uh, winter months, and I hate cold weather, and this album just feels like a nice, like, welcoming to spring and warmer weather and happier times, and it, it just... I feel like I'm getting into a better place and this album just sort of matches that for me and I appreciate that a lot. Uh, getting back into the songs, I really dig the If Looks Could Kill hook on Xena scene and Foxy has these vocal effects and shimmering synths that paired with the electric guitar just sound like you're dipping into a nice cool pool on a really hot summer day. Um, Blue Arcade uh, sounds like it could be a single, just like the first track, and I think both of them were. Um, and I'll say this for every song on the album, but the production is just so pleasant on this track. You really can't complain about anything you get on here. Uh, I love that chorus-heavy guitar on sync. It's simple but gorgeous, very effective, and the song itself might have her best vocals on the record. I love the line about drifting away to the sweetest serenade, uh, to quote, um, because that's exactly what this track and what this album feels like. And then the closing track on Earth works really well as an outro, only being less than two minutes long. And it has this really interesting percussion that I'm not even sure how to describe, but you'll know what I'm talking about if you hear it. And yeah, that's that's the whole album. Like I said, there's not much to say about it, but that is not a fault of the album or anything. It's just a really nice vibey album. Probably the easiest thing to get into aside from maybe the Mitski album as far as my picks for this month go. And uh, probably some of the Big Thief I would say is pretty easy to digest too. Um, but yeah, for this record, I'm, I'm going to go with a 4 out of 5 for right now. Could maybe be a 4.5 at some point. But I, I, I really enjoy it. Like I said, 4 out of 5 means it's a great album for me. Um, it's breezy and comes and goes before you know it's over. There are some great albums that you could dive into for hours and some great albums that you honestly can't come up with a lot of words for. And this is one of those to me. I wish I could say more about it, but it's just so nice. Just listen to it while you're outside. Now that the weather's getting warmer and the sun's being out a lot more, it's not so, at least here, it's not so rainy and dreary all the time. And you could tell flowers are starting to bloom, and this is just a perfect soundtrack to that. Um, just turn this album on and let it take you away and just kind of ride with it, just vibe with it. Really great album, Strawberry by Caroline Loveglow. And finally, we're at the final record that I've picked, which is Time Skiffs by Animal Collective. And I gotta say, this album took me back to a different time. I was a hardcore Animal Collective fan when I was 14 or 15 years old. I would listen to Strawberry Jam and Meriwether Post Pavilion all day, every day, as well as Panda Bear's solo projects, Tomboy, and Person Pitch. So this band is slotted in a very special part of my brain. I don't really listen to them as much as I used to uh, 11 to 12 years later, but when I do come back to these those like classic albums and listening to this album, I still remember what I loved about the band so much, and it makes me want to bring them back into my regular listening rotation because I just associate it with just happy, carefree, like simple times, um, you know. And 
while I may not hold this album up in as high regard as I do those other albums I mentioned, I still find a lot to enjoy here. And I mean, I think it could get to the same level as those other albums with time, but I think those other albums just also have this elevation and context of me developing and being really young and uh, really easily influenced when I heard them for the first time. So they're just kind of wired into my brain in a way that I feel like this album hasn't had the time or the chance to really be. Um, so it's hard to give like a real objective feeling on this album, uh, but I still really enjoy it. I still think it's it holds up just like most of their other stuff. Um, I think overall it kind of has the feel of uh, the last record that I spoke of, the Caroline Love Glow album Strawberry, and how summery and light it feels. Um, and, and that's always been one of my favorite key things about Animal Collective. Uh, getting into the tracks, Dragon Slayer instantly starts off with these twinkling synth lines that <laughs> I don't know they kind of make me feel like I'm in a Yoshi's Island type game for Nintendo 64 it sounds very colorful if I had to make a comparison to their older work I would say that this one feels like an older matured version of the song Applesauce uh, which is one of my favorites from Centipede Hurts um, they kind of feel like they're sister songs in a way and uh it's nice to hear that same sort of playfulness on the next track, Car Keys. Just some classic group and co-vocals on here. It's great to hear them all harmonizing together over this really strange, kind of fun instrumental. Hold on a second. And then uh, next track, Prester John, I actually have talked about previously on a Discover Weekly episode. I liked it a lot back then, and it's only grown on me more since then. Uh, apparently it was a song that was birthed out of two separate songs, one by Panda Bear and one by A.V. Tear. And I'm not sure which one was which, but just this whole track overall is a really atmospheric, beautiful, slow-building indie pop cut that, I don't know, it sounds like how it feels to watch someone create a beautiful painting. Like, I don't know, just watching Bob Ross, just watching like everything come together and watching all of the little details like as it progresses and I don't know like the beginning of the song kind of feels like when you start like this is a, kind of a funny comparison I know but like when you start watching a Bob Ross episode and like he maybe have like, he might have like a few trees and then like he progressively adds like these really nuanced tiny details and it just adds so much to the image and that's kind of how I feel listening to this track like it just builds and builds and builds and builds and I, I just I, I love the hook on it I love the group vocals on it uh, their vocals on this album are just really tight and really well put together um, then Strung With Everything is kind of a fan favorite track that I've noticed um, it kind of reminds me of the record feels with the intro and then when the music gets started, the instrumental sounds like it's like melting like ice cream on a really hot day. It has my favorite lyrics on the record as well with the chorus. Let's say tonight you and me will watch the sky fall into pieces. And for a moment, imagine strings holding the trees from falling down. You know, I would not be afraid with your head against my shoulder. And even though all hearts are strange, we're all strung with everything. 
Uh, I love how the drums crash and start and stop multiple times throughout the track. Um, just, just a really cool track. I can see why so many people love this one. Um, overall, though, Walker has been my favorite since I first heard the single on its own outside of the context of the album. It was written by Panda Bear as a tribute to Scott Walker, uh, rest in peace, after he passed in 2019. Uh, the music won't necessarily make you think of Scott Walker. Um, it's more of that carefree, barefoot-in-the-grass, electronic vibe that you get all over this world that they're creating with this album. Um, but I, yeah, this track is just a perfect length and just a perfect vibe and feel overall. The percussion and little instrumental flourishes like the twinkling keys really do it for me and I just think the the concept of this being a tribute song to Scott Walker and it doesn't even sound like a Scott Walker song like it just sounds like classic Anco just I don't know the novelty and just strangeness of that just really appeals to me for some reason and I also do have a lot of respect and love for the spacey seven minute track Cherokee which has a lot of references to famous mountainous regions in North Carolina, which is where I'm from. I love the state. I'm very proud of the state, and I love the mountains. It's my favorite part of the state. It's just absolutely scenic, absolutely beautiful. Um, of course, the most famous reference in the song being Cherokee itself, which is the title of the song, but A.V. also mentions the hills of Cullowhee as well as Black Mountain, um, and it's pretty awesome to hear these places you've actually been to referenced by a band you love so much. Um, I know musicians generally love Western NC. Like there's a sort of a mystique and uh, I don't know. There's, there's this mystique around like Asheville with a lot of indie musicians for some reason. And I guess that's sort of where like the whole references to Cherokee, which I mean, it's, it's far away from Asheville, but it's still like within decent driving distance. I, I guess that's where that comes from in a way. Um, but I have a lot of respect for them for shouting out these places that I love. Um, of course, I'm like two hours away from the mountains, but I have visited them many times and have a lot of fond memories associated with them. And I have a lot of fond memories associated with Animal Collective. So Mixing those two things together is just a really surreal, awesome experience for me. Uh, finishing out the album, uh, two more tracks. We've got Passerby, which is... Um, actually, three more tracks. We've got Passerby, which is probably the closest the album gets to Chill Wave or Straight Up Dream Pop, but I wouldn't call it either one of those things uh, specifically, to be honest. It's just... I don't know, it's got that really relaxing vibe and it just sounds like waves crashing over you. Then uh, the next track, We Go Back, I'm not too sold on. Um, it's pretty pleasant though, maybe it'll grow on me some more. And then uh, the last track, Royal and Desire, which has this intro, which this is another odd comparison, but it the intro sounds like one of those moments in like a cartoon where the heart plays and everything gets kind of blurry for a second and like the cartoon characters like daydreaming so it shows their dream i i kind of imagine that uh where the daydream is is some pretty riverside scene at sunset and uh the song just keeps up the serene vibe of the whole way through i don't know um 
I just get a lot of cool like scenic imagery when I listen to Animal Collective and I know that's such a like I don't know people might think I'm lame for like saying that like I'm just some like lame hippie guy but uh I don't know that's just what their music does for me and that's one of the things I love about the band and um yeah but this album overall I I think is like a very strong four out of five it could probably be a 4.5 if I just keep spending time with it but I think it's just gonna take maybe like a few months um of just like revisiting here and there before I can really get to that point because I've already listened to this thing multiple times over the last month and I I don't want it to like get old I don't want to like overdo it or anything um so yeah I'm just gonna leave it at a four out of five for right now but I mean just remember I've I would give like Strawberry Jam a five out of five and Meriwether a five out of five and uh probably like Feels too and Person Pitch by Panda Bear a five out of five so I mean, just remember that I do love this band a lot, and uh, don't come at me for like giving this a lower score than some people have, because, I mean, like I said, a 4 out of 5 is still a really good score, and I still really like the record, it's just, I think I just need more time with it, and there's also like that context of me, like I said, growing up with those earlier records, so, you know. But yeah, that's gonna do it for the month of February, uh really solid month honestly I I think I do prefer it over January overall Um, and I'm excited to see what's going to come in March uh, with the start of spring Um, I've already listened to two or three albums uh, from March uh, because yesterday was March 4th which is the first release day of the month I listened to Christine Leshper's album uh, the opening or closing of a door. I thought that was pretty decent. And also listened to It Was a Home by Kaina, which I actually liked a lot. Um, but I'm going to give those some re-listens over time. And also, of course, listen to everything that I've got on my list for March. And at the end of March, you'll hear me make another episode um, for that month. So until then, peace out and thanks for listening.